right, episode two, and James is late. You know, I thought we'd get to at least episode three before the wheels fell off, but... Oh, wait. There you are. Who's running late? Who's running late? Am I running late, or are you running late? I I, I don't know. I, I was just telling everyone that you were running late. How's <laughs> 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 has, has the, has the view under the bus there? Uh, the view under the bus is fantastic. It It looks like you've got some kind of... 70s shagtastic rug on your desk. What on earth is that? This is my extremely uh, professional podcasting setup, James. This is uh, this is about <laughs> about achieving quality audio. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. For for any of the listeners, I think I'm going to take a screenshot of that right now because I think that's worthy. It is. It's it's some people use that egg crate stuff. Um you know, there's a whole lot of products one can buy for this. I've not invested in that yet, although I've bought a new microphone. This is a new I was going to say. Yeah, it's uh, it's got the pop filter. I tend to do a lot of popping. So I'm 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 pretty excited. I'm very excited. I'm sure the listeners are excited too. Dude, I'm excited. In fact, when you showed me that microphone uh the other day, I went on Amazon and bought the exact same one. It hasn't arrived yet, unfortunately, but I'm on. There you go. I will be Look on. at us. Matching. And matching T-shirts, seemingly. Although mine isn't Carhartt. I'm sure yours is. <laughs> Actually, for once, I'm wearing Reebok. Reebok. Wow. Yeah. They're still they're yeah. still around? Yeah. You know, they were um, doing all of the uh, the merchandise and the, 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 the kits for the NFL for a couple of years. Really? Yeah. That, that's probably the only thing keeping them in business. And and me. Well, now, do you know what? And, and yeah, and, and actually... Their their sort of mid eighties white tennis shoes have have come into fashion again. I may have bought some recently. Some of my cooler friends are rocking them. Anyway, as much as I love talking black t shirts and white tennis shoes, shall we get into it? Let's roll those credits. Welcome to Curb and Canyon. My man, we're back. We're back. Episode two. Episode two. We've, we've got. We've, we've we've done it. I mean, this this to me now says we're legitimate. We're serious. We did one that could have just been a flash in the pan, but we've actually showed up for our second. I know. I'm impressed. And before it's due to go out, so that we've got time to edit it and get it out on time. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Do you know? And had we had we do with that first podcast? Results are in. Are we are we a hit? Pretty well, actually. I mean, I don't know what what qualifies to be a hit, but uh, our first episode got just as many downloads as uh, an average auto amateur podcast. Right. So that just means that my regular listeners have decided to tune in <laughs> to this podcast. <laughs> I don't know if we've picked up any new viewers, uh, but we've had quite a few hits on the website. We've had quite a few people subscribe to our feed. Um, I, I haven't been checking in on Instagram. That's sort of more in uh, my domain, more on your side of things yeah. at the moment. Yeah, yeah, your domain. Um, but I think it was good. I, and just personally, I've had so much nice feedback via direct messages from people saying they enjoyed the first episode yeah. and they're looking forward to more. So the pressure's on now, Andy, even more than it was last week. Listen, don't, 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 don't come here and put that on me. You know, with the pressures on both of us. Both of us. We've got a lift. I tell you that. Yes. I mean, I, I I mentioned it to my mum, and uh, you, you you'll probably see a little little spike of listenership and um, from her and her friends, and and it probably just confirms my long held belief that the over seventies women are probably an untapped gold mine for a podcast like ours. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's funny you should say that because my mum's 69 and she's just started getting into podcasts. There you go. So there you hopefully go. come April, she'll yeah, be in that demographic yeah, right. as well. She'll be messaging yeah. on Instagram. Is, I'll be like, oh my God, it's James' mum again, please. <laughs> do you think? Um, do you think that's why we're number four in uh, the automotive and leisure category uh, in Australia? Has your mum been like listening to this on repeat for a she week? Must, she must have been. Either that, or there's, there's, <laughs> or there's only four auto podcasts in this country. There's it's, it's probably the likely reason. <laughs> well, I thought that was pretty impressive. I don't know about the stats for the rest of the uh, the rest of the world, but it was interesting to get that one from uh, Australia mm-hmm. Pods feed or wherever it was. I found. I wonder if, um, yeah, it, I, that's probably just for all friends of mine. I'd say. Although that sounds like I've got a whole lot of friends. I know three people. What am I talking about? <laughs> and it's the same three people that are in all of your videos. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. So it looks like you've been making a video. Oh. It looks like you've been playing around with uh, a rather gorgeous looking second generation 997. I mean, can I just move that to the top of the agenda? Do it. Yeah, do it. My friend Anthony, this car, I've, I've driven this car twice now. And every time I drive it, I adore it. Um, and generation two nine nine sevens are having the, the values on them are nuts. I mean, the values on everything are nuts, as you know, but yeah. they are particularly crazy right now. And I think there's, they sit in this little pocket where, you know, 996 values are coming up, which obviously is going to push yeah. 997 values up. The number of second gen 997s that came to this market is really quite small. Um, there weren't a lot mm-hmm. delivered to Australia, so you very rarely see them. And it's just a beautiful car. It's got that that second gen 997 tail lights, which start to introduce um, some of the visuals that we see in the 991. But the size of it is just so good. Um, it is. It's one of my favourite cars to 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 drive behind, and and the few drives that I've had of it, I just love it. So, yeah, I wanted I wanted to do a review on it and really get to the bottom of, you know, this this little nine nine seven dot two bubble. Is it is it legit? And are they are they the real deal? Um, and you know, <laughs> spoiler alert, I think they are. I think they're amazing. Yeah. Um, but we had a great night, man. We we went and shot. I was really keen to do some filming with this car in the city. And um, my good friend, Al, who runs Flat Six Affair, you know, Al, we wanted to do mm-hmm. a bit of a collab. So we, yeah, had a late night in the city on a Monday night with with nobody around. We found a bunch of great locations and were shooting until one in the morning. It was, uh, it was, it was so, so wow. cool. I know, I felt, it made me feel young again. Until the next morning when I felt really old again. <laughs> but, yeah, it was – I tell you what, the, the, the one little um, snafu of the night was that we – there's a car park location which featured in the first Mad Max film. It is an incredible location and really difficult to find, and um, we found it. And I was so excited to film in there. It's got these sort of curved archway pillars. It's amazing. Oh yeah! And it's actually in Mad Max. It's the place where uh, where he first sees the the black interceptor and the last of the V8s. Okay. All that stuff. It's 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 awesome. And 
we, we finally found it. We had to drive into this uh, Melbourne University campus. So I was just expecting to be chased out of there by security. Yeah. Find the car park, drive in. It's, it's like full of smoke. I was thinking, what the hell is going on here? Well, so as we pull in, it turns out somebody else is already, there's already a film crew down there. No they've way. They've got hazer machines and they're filming, <laughs> I don't know, a music video or something. So they told us we had to get out. So I'm sure they'd paid for the privilege to, to use this location. Location, unlike us trying to do it guerrilla style. But anyway, it was great. And we got we got some rolling footage, which which looks awesome. Um, yeah, just just a killer car. So I can't can't wait to do that review. Well, it's an interesting topic, uh, especially when you think that the second gen 997 was released with a huge amount of anticipation because of the popularity of the first generation 997, but it came out around the high, the housing crisis. So the market yeah, for yeah, pe- people buying uh, cars sort of tanked. They they didn't produce as many numbers as they were expecting to. Um, yeah, it, it was a limited run. I think it was what two thousand and nine to twelve. I mean, just just sort yeah. of three years. Uh, to see to see one even in the states here is pretty rare. I've seen a, a GT3 RS. I think it was, or just the GT3 of the second gen, and that was just. Oh my goodness, that was so yeah. so gorgeous! But to find yeah, something like that yeah. is a rarity, and it's got the completely rebuilt engine, so there's no risk of IMS failure. It's bulletproof there. That's as right. Well. Yeah, a hundred percent. And they made some. There's some really nice. It's it's not a big deal, but there's some really nice changes to the interior as well. The PCM on that first gen nine nine seven is. I think it's got the. It's got the telephone keypad yeah, and all that sort does, of stuff yeah. or maybe it's a maybe it's a telephone dial i can't remember um it's pretty it's pretty old school either way and um yeah, yeah they've updated the pcm so the interior certainly feels like it's got a it's had a step up in quality and when i've driven that car what what amazes me is it's a it's a it's a base carrera um with sports exhaust manual and it is it's so responsive uh, it it feels so modern and yet it feels small. It feels like you can mm. really throw it into little corners. Um, it's the perfect size. And that was one of my criticisms of the 991 was that on a more technical road, it just felt too big of a car. Yeah. Whereas I think the 997 just fits in this amazing space. So I love them. Uh, I can't wait to shoot the review with it. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds exciting. Yeah. Now, are there yeah. interesting yeah. news in the Porsche world? And this just absolutely blows my mind. One of the Porsches that got me hooked originally was the one from the Bad mm-hmm. Boys movie, and it sold. Yeah, yeah, it did indeed. It sold. How much did it sell for? It was like crazy amounts. Well, yeah, 1.3 million USD, but I think there's uh, once you add seller's fees and stuff, it was 1.43 million US dollars. We're talking about Michael Bay's original Bad Boys 964 Turbo. Oh, what a car. So that's the actual car from the movie, the one they used well, yeah. on the set. It is. It's interesting, actually, because so that was his personal car. And he had apparently asked Porsche if they wanted to supply a car, to which they responded no. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Bad Boys was his first feature. Prior to it, that, he was doing was music a, videos. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Music videos must have been paying really well back in the early 90s because he had <laughs> what was a limited run 964 Turbo yeah, in yeah. his garage on the back of doing a bunch of music videos. And, yeah, so I, it makes you wonder, doesn't it, you know, that whole first scene where we we first meet Martin Lawrence and, and Will Smith and they're driving the car with that sunrise, that 
must have just been a little love letter to that car that that, that yeah. he just adored so much. But he sold it to a mate for sixty grand. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Did he sell that in the in the nineties? I'm not sure. Grand, yeah, must have, must have been. Yeah, because that because that then apparently his mate. I think it was the producer actually. Um, he then went on to sell it for forty five grand. And mm. an interesting postscript was that Michael Bay has come out this week on social media and said that. What a lot of people don't know is that when he owned that car, it was actually stolen out of his garage, and then he somehow recovered it. And he left that open. So I don't know if that, if he wants us to think that he, you know, chased down the thieves and held them at gunpoint (laughs) or tackled them or who knows. But anyway, apparently, allegedly, it was stolen from his garage and he recovered it personally himself. So, so well done, Michael Bay. Um, But what a car, eh? Oh, I know. I mean, all right, it's gorgeous. But how much of that price is, you know, sort of pop culture value versus what the true value of that car is? I mean, you see Carrera GTs sell for that much. And no disrespect to that car, but that's not a Carrera GT. No, true that, true that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, it's not. You know, I looked and and the um, the nine two eight from Risky Business actually sold for one point nine eight million, so it sold what? for more, which surprised me. Um, I mean, Risky Business, okay, that's you know Tom Cruise, Rebecca De Mornay, You've got it's it's a bigger kind of hit across a broader audience, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but. I, I don't know. I'm not sure the 928 would have started as many uh, Porsche passions as as that 964 Turbo. However, there again, wasn't Rebecca De Mornay draped across it in a scene? And I wonder if that perhaps <laughs> elevated its value. <laughs> Some Rebecca De Mornay fan is now currently sniffing that patch of leather. <laughs> Just in his garage at night. Just just a gentle lick. It's okay. <laughs> well, Good I mean, night, on, you know what? Yeah. On, look, on Bring a Trailer, the 964 Turbos are going, that 3.6, so that second gen 964 Turbo, they're sort of going around 3 to 3.50. So yeah. it's, a, it's a big step up from those. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm the worst one to ask about values. I, to be honest, I'm. I could have seen it going for more than that just because it is such a a special and unique car. If I had the money, I would have paid more for it. You know, I was about to say the same. If if I had that money rolling around to to throw at a, a, a car at a whim, I would have happily spent that on the the car from Bad Boys. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it but it brings up two questions for me because I imagine we don't I don't think we know anything about about the buyer, but I imagine they're a collector. Um, and it'll it'll sit in a collection somewhere. We think about cars a little differently, obviously. But if you had the money and if you bought that car, two questions for you, James: Would you a drive it, and would you b modify it? Ooh, that's. <laughs> I'd love I'd love to see videos of you out in the garage doing deviated oh stitching and. Could you imagine how much hate fiber. I would get? <laughs> Could you imagine how much hate I would get for, for doing oh, that? That would be amazing. In 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 all honesty, I would not modify that car at all. The only thing I would do was um 
I, I would drive it for sure. It wouldn't just sit there, you know, gathering dust. I'd drive it, but I wouldn't modify it. I would just restore it. So if the bolster needed, you know, replacing, if if uh, the dash was scratched up or what have you, I'd try and make it factory yeah. fresh again. But no, I wouldn't do the usual auto amateur decal and deviate the stitching treatments. <laughs> You'd have become well known for. No, you, but you would, right? You'd have to drive that thing. I, 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 I'd drive the hell out of it. I'd, I'd take it on the hills. I'd take it in the twisties. Um, yeah. And and this may be controversial, but I would do one, two modifications to it. I would, I'd put it on coilovers so that I could lower it. It's got that classic nine six four factory. F- you know, go off-roading style ride height yeah. uh, and, and and just put some spaces in there just to get the stance right because that's an easy thing that when I come to sell the car for $2.4 million in 10 years' time, <laughs> it's, e- it's easy to put the original suspension back on. It's not a biggie, but I'd, yeah. I'd want that stance absolutely dialed while I had it. But that's just me. I, I could live with that. What, what else would you do? No, nothing. Other than that, same as you. If it needed restoring, which I don't think it does, I think it had. Uh, I think it's had a restoration not that long ago. Oh, really? um, you know, I'd, I'd do that as well. But no, look. Other than that, I just want to enjoy it and drive it and be seen in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it, what, I just think it's gorgeous. What I want to know is: was it Michael Bay's mate who bought it, or was it Michael Bay's mate who sold it who bought it? You know, you mean the did he buy it back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I just, I'm fascinated. I want to know who who bought it. Well, imagine how much you'd hate yourself though, knowing you'd sold it for forty five grand, and then you <laughs> bought it back for one point. Yeah. So there'd be there'd be a lot of self hate going on, right? Absolutely. Like looking in the mirror, just ugh. yeah, yeah. It it's funny though because it got me thinking that Porsches have appeared in many films. Um, they're 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 the state in pop culture is, you know, it's pretty well guaranteed. And I just wondered if, if, if there were others that had really captured your attention over the, over the journey. Um, well, actually one, and it, it makes me feel kind of old because I, I watched uh, Gone in 60 Seconds with Nicolas Cage and Angelina Jolie again a few weeks ago. Yep. And uh, I, I remember, um, I remember one of the characters stealing a Porsche it's at the silver beginning. silver 996, right? Right, driving it through the window. I didn't remember it yeah. was a 996. I certainly didn't remember it was a first-generation 996 with the runny egg headlights. And as he was popping through the window, I was like, oh, man, I'm old. That's sad. <laughs> that, that's really sad. It, it wasn't so old that it was a cool 993, and it wasn't recent enough that it was a 997, but it was that late 90s, early 2006 that came popping out the window. I was absolutely gutted. But I, I've tried to think about other movies where I've, I've seen 911s. And I, I, I don't, personally, I, my impression is they don't appear in as many as you would expect. You know, you see a lot of Mustangs, you see a lot of Mercedes, you see loads of the American muscle cars. Um, in yeah. all of the Fast and Furious movies, there's one, right? There's a 996 yeah, yeah, that blue GT3. GT3 yeah, that's, I think that's it. Yeah, that's 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 true. Actually, there's there's a there's a couple that stick out to me. Ba- Bad Boys is absolutely the one. I mean, I saw that film. This I saw it twice in the cinema, and the second time I saw it in the cinema was literally because I wanted to see the car again. 
Oh wow! Really? And, 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 and I was already a, I was already a Porsche fan at that point, and I was a big nine six four fan because that was the car at the moment. And yeah, I, I I went twice to the cinema just to see the car again. But there's they show up here and there. There was um, what's the Harrison Ford film? Not Clear and Present Danger. The other one where he's Jack Ryan. His wife has this like brown. Um, three two Targa that's beautiful and ends up crashing on a freeway. Patriot Games, Patriot Games, Patriot yeah. Games. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean Bean like shoots at it and she crashes yeah. it on the freeway. Um, but it's a beautiful car. She and and yeah, she's this like sexy older doctor driving in a leather gloves and she's uh, great. right, right. Um, but there's a, a little known telly movie that came out in the early '80s starring Michael J. Fox called High School USA. And I loved that film when I was a kid. And he, he ends up, and it's this like ensemble cast of of the who's who of TV has beens at the time. <laughs> yeah. And and he ends up having to have a race with the school uh, rich bully guy who's Anthony Daniels from um, who's Goose from Top Gun, right? But this is pre Top Gun, and he's got this like. 74 I think Targa light blue Targa Oh really And and that car's killer they have this this race on some dirt road and he's he's trying to nudge Michael J Fox off the road of course Michael J Fox ends up winning the race but that car was so cool and I remember that had a real impact on me back in the in the mid 80s as a as a primary school kid ace car I I've got one for you 90210, the TV series from the 80s. Oh, my God. Luke Perry, right? Didn't The Speedster. Yeah, yeah, there you go. He had that convertible at Speedster. It looked like it was in yeah. mint condition, and he threw it around yeah, like yeah. it was a beater. He did, he did. And, you know, actually, interesting because, and, yeah, I'm aging myself here, but I was actually, I, I quite liked that show. And I remember there was an episode where um, he had one of the kids, the other, whatever the two main, the brother and sister, uh, Brandon, Brandon and Jason Priestley. And you see, I was a Jason fan as Priestley. Well. Yeah, yeah. So their dad was somehow charged with looking after Luke Perry's money, and he said, "Listen, you can't keep driving that car. You got to get something responsible." And so then Luke Perry's character shows up in a brand new nine six four, and it's first gen nine six four that still has the same wheels off a 928. So it's even before the D90 wheels. But I remember just seeing it, and it was like bronze. It was horrible, but I was that. That was, I think, the first time I saw a 964, and I was like, "Oh no, right. that looks amazing!" And then, literally, ten minutes later in the show, he gets carjacked, and the car gets stolen, <laughs> and we never see it again, <laughs> which is very, oh, very disappointing. Speaking of like you know, eighties and nineties, I mean, we're heading to a, a pretty big milestone right now with with Porsche. Is it? Um, what's the latest anniversary anniversary edition? Fifty years. Yeah, but it's 50 years of Porsche design, right? Which is the kind of oh. design arm of the business set up by Bootsy way, well, I was about to say way back when. Let's take a punt and say it was probably 50 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ish, so yeah, maybe. They've, they've, yeah, give or take, give or take. So they've released a, a special edition um, Targa 4S, which I think they've called the Porsche 911 edition 50 years Porsche design or that rolls off the tongue. This is really this nomenclature. Is, well, yeah, this nomenclature is amazing. The E5, oh, sorry, the E50YPD. Can't wait to see that as a badge across the rear. That's going to be awful. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's a black targa with some black 
touches to I think it references the original chronograph that that came out as the as the first watch that Porsche design released. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What do we what do we think of these these limited editions? So it's it's difficult. And I, I know a couple of people with the the anniversary editions especially and I, I don't want to offend yeah. them but I so I like the limited editions conceptually like the T that was released in the 991 generation I thought was just beautiful uh and then you can talk about you know the touring editions the GT3 etc but the the anniversary editions I just I haven't been a really big fan I know somebody with the 996 and that was I can't remember now was that the 40 year edition uh yes i think it is i think it is yeah yeah. Yeah, the 996 yeah honestly wasn't a massive fan and then the uh the the 50th anniversary edition of which came out with the 991 again all right the deck lid was pretty cool but the badging i'm just i just I, i don't find it special enough to warrant any extra money and it, it it almost makes it stand out in an in a bad way i think from the from the 911 crowd where the the t that is a highly desirable limited edition i think yeah well i mean but I, is the t i don't think the t is limited though i mean, I, I think they're going to do that again with the 992 no oh i'm sorry so what 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 would be your definition of limited then i don't know like you say the 40th anniversary um I mean, who cares? We don't need to get into the weeds of what's what's limited and what's not, I suppose. But it, it's, it's these ones. It's like the Heritage Pack they've done with the, I think, with the Targa. Or like yeah. you say, these, these 40th anniversary or the Sport Edition. Mind yeah. you, that Sport Edition one. Ooh. I think it's – yeah, I think it's funny, isn't it? Because it's, it's not like it's that different, but – I think just about everyone you talk to about that car has that reaction to it, where it's like, oh, yeah, there's something, there's something there. This to me just feels a little bit too much like, I don't know, marketing getting involved and, you know, it's a chance to move some, some, some cars that don't necessarily have, you know, a huge amount of benefit to them. I, I must say that I do like the, um, I, I actually quite like the anniversary editions. My my friend Dale has uh, the 40th anniversary uh, 996, and it's a yeah, it's um, I, I like that car. I just I, I like the look of it. I like what they've done with it. I yeah, I'm, I'm actually a fan of that. But there's a um, there's a there's a 964 limited edition. So that's the anniversary. I guess it's the 30 year for sale somewhere here at the moment. Here it is. You know, I'm just bringing it right up. So 1993, 964 uh, 30 year anniversary edition for $595,990 Australian. Wow. <laughs> um, to quote uh, an Australian movie that that many of our US listeners would not have seen, tell him he's dreaming. That's uh, yeah. Because <laughs> that's oh, I mean, actually, where are my Tim Tams? Yeah, exactly. Well, because that's a that's it's fundamentally a wide body nine six four without any extra power, so more yeah. weight. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Why is that I mean, special? Yeah, it's cool. Um, I like them. I think they look cool, but. Uh, that's that's in in this market that's uh that's nine six four three three six turbo money almost so that that doesn't make that doesn't make sense to me so if if you were going to choose any let's call them either limited editions or special editions which one would it be 
from any generation, but you had to pick one. Am I allowed to go into, I mean, there's a few, right? Like, am I allowed to go into like 964RS sort of space here? Or is that just, Why not? that's a Ren sure. thing? Well, because that's something like something like that for sure. Uh, you know, a two seven RS, obviously. <laughs> um, but if I, I suppose if I had to choose one that's limited edition by virtue of the of the badge and some design touches, um, probably the sport design. There was a nine nine seven version of that, wasn't there? The, the second two. generation nine nine seven sports classic. Sport classic. That's the one with the ducktail. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd, probably, I'd probably grab one of those. I think they look great. I was going to say, I think for me, it would either be that sports classic uh, or it would be, if if this sort of fits underneath the, 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 the definition of the term, it would be the GT3 Touring from the 991.2 generation. I just yeah, love, yeah. love everything about that car. Everything. Have, have you ever come across anyone who has not said that about a GT3 Touring. Do you know what I mean? It's the car that- yeah, I don't think so. Literally everyone wants, that everyone just lords. And, you know, there was that great video that Chris Harris put out, um, I don't know, I guess a month ago, where he was driving his yellow GT3 Touring. And it wasn't a review so much as a, here's why I love it kind of a video. And yeah. I just watched it just thinking, yeah, mate, I- you're not going to get any arguments from me, and I've not I've not looked at the comments, but I doubt there's a single person in the comments saying, "Yeah, but wouldn't a such and such be better? What what possibly could be better?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. It, it's hard to think about it. I mean, maybe there's a air cooled uh, selection and a water cooled selection, maybe. But then you know, yeah. you just you just you're just dreaming. But in fact, quick sidebar. Uh, my wife Ruthie uh, is helping a couple move from out of town into town, and they're selling, they're downsizing basically. Their kids are flown the nest and gone to university. Um, they're selling a house, which is very nice, but it's not, you know, like a mansion or anything. It has a 12 stall garage. What? 12, one, two, a 12 stall garage. And they want to, you know, move into the city and downsize and be close to the university, what have you. And I've said, Ruthie, we're going. Let's just buy it. I want it. Yeah. I don't care yeah. where it is. Twelve car garage. But when you start thinking in those terms, you know, you you really do start going down the line of okay. Well, if I had, you know, ten million dollars, I'd get this air cooled special edition over here, and this yeah, this yeah. roof here, and this RS, and this nine nine one, and like, I me, mean, I could yeah. I could easily fill a 12-store garage with all my favorite oh, 911s. Easily, easily. We wouldn't even get out of the 911 generation. You know, the, the 911 category, I wouldn't even get to Caymans. I wouldn't get to any of the other models. I could pick 12 911s. It's funny, isn't it? Because I think about it and I think somewhere in that mix, I'd love to throw a um, a short wheelbase Bronco <laughs> and <you> know, <laughs> maybe a 66 notchback Mustang. But... I know I'd fill the 12 spaces with, with 911s and be like, oh, well, <laughs> I guess if I get a short wheelbase old Bronco, I could sh- park it out the front of the house. I was going to just put that puppy on the street. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's true. I know. You, it, it, it doesn't bear thinking about, does it? Because you could spend all day just dreaming about what would I do if I had to fill those slots? What would I, where would I start? And that's, of course, yeah. assuming you've got the, you have the means via which to fill said slots. Yeah. 
You know, there's a columnist actually in Total 911, uh, a, a guy in Texas. And it, for the columnists in the Living a Legend section, um, you know, they have, uh, you know, the person's name, they have the cars that they own and where they are. And uh, most of it is like, you know, here's John Smith from uh, from London who has a 996 and, you know, here's Lee Sibley and he has uh, this um, 996. And then there's this guy in Texas that has like a list of 20 cars <laughs> and it looks right. like they've all just been acquired because they also say date acquired. He had like one right. and then he had two and then there was maybe a little bit of a gap and then over the last five years he's acquired the other 10 <laughs> Good Lord. Wow. <laughs> and just imagining some, some kind of, you know, cattle ranch in Texas with unlimited space and he's just filling can it with imagine? 9-11s. Oh my goodness. You, you can dream. Hey, and, and well done for showing restraint and not using that as an opportunity to plug your own column there, James. That was, that was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that kind of guy. Told 9-11. It's available every month. <laughs> So, uh, so any news on on the nine nine six front? Yeah, yeah. So uh, trim pieces and parts keep showing up at my door, which I don't want to install until I get my seats back. So Uh, I guess to fill the time between taking my seats out and getting them back, I've been thinking, oh, there's a bit of plastic trim I could buy new, fifty bucks. There's another bit of trim I could buy new, twenty bucks. So. Um, I've had a number of those arrive. My my blue deviated seat belts have arrived, and uh, I haven't installed them yet, but I've held them in place, and they look so good. I'm really yeah, really happy with the results. Yeah, I really yeah, like them. Right on. Yeah, um, cool. So that's going to be the next major job in the next few weeks because I'm expecting the seats back or the chairs, as I like to call them. Um, mm. In the <laughs> in the next whenever, week, whenever you say chairs, I, I just imagine lounging back. I don't know with a whiskey, uh, patting my Labrador. Just you know, just like I say, Eames versus what, Ricardo. What you do on your own time is your business. Um, so that that's the seatbelts in the interior. That's going to be a video, but I just can't wait for the engine to show up. That's due to show up yeah. um, middle of February, so we're like three weeks away now, four weeks away from getting it, and it's going yep. to get delivered directly to Porsche Minneapolis, and it's go time. I can't wait to get that in and get it moving. So that was. Do you know what I thought about this post our conversation last week? That you've got the nine nine six, which you're in the throes of you know, getting back up and running. We're not talking about modifying it, restoring it. We're talking about making this thing roadworthy. Um, yeah. You're going to get that done and then immediately thereafter set off on a thousand and thousand and thousands of miles <laughs> road trip. Not yeah. to I, – I don't want to make you feel anxious at all. That's not my <laughs> job. Um, but it did, it did get me wondering, will you have an opportunity to really shake that car down? And yeah. because – you know, not only is it going to need to work as as a grand tour to get you where you need to go, but you're going to want to be throwing it around the twisties and the like. And so, you know, things like suspension geometry and all that stuff that you haven't had the opportunity yet to yeah. to really get dialed. Will you have the chance to do that before you take off for the Rockies? I hope so. the The, the plan is to get the car back in early March so that I can spend the best part of March and April, you know, tuning it in before. We then set off in the middle of May. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I hope I hope that sort of eight week period gives me enough time. Yeah, that's enough time. That's enough time. 
And you, you're out of you're out of snow by then, right? Like you've you'll you'll have roads and you can go and do that. Uh, well, you see that? No, not not necessarily. We can <laughs> we can get snow as late as uh, the end of May. Frankly, in fact, oh, wow. some of yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, it's, in fact, one of the passes that we've got on the itinerary for the trip in northern Colorado is dependent on whether or not it snows. Because if it snows, they close the road down. And uh, if it if it's clear, they'll they'll keep it open. Is, does does that stop you? Is is there a long way around? Like if they close the road, does that stop you from getting where you need to go? No, because because we're actually traveling, or it's an up and back. It's an up and back. Yes, yeah. so we're traveling down the Rockies and and over and up as opposed to across. Uh, so it should be fine. But it, it means instead of driving through beautiful you know canyons and mountain ranges, yeah. you're driving through the boring cornfields. You're on an of- interstate. <laughs> whatever midwest state we're close to <laughs> i don't know yeah, oklahoma okay. maybe i don't know yeah, no so. offense to anybody in oklahoma but driving through your states is boring so how many how many miles is it going to be in total uh, i i think off the top of my head it's it's like a 3000 mile round trip so i would love it if your video for the trip starts with hey guys i'm james from auto amateur i'm about to start a 3000 mile road trip and this is the first time I've started the car. Wish me luck. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely the type of thing I would do. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of, it's it's like a, I, I'm heading hopefully into a win-win situation. If if the car proves itself within the first six to eight weeks of getting it back, I take that car. If it doesn't, it's going to fail pretty quickly, I think. I don't think it's going to like fail in week six or seven. If, if yeah. something's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong pretty quickly. And then that gives me six weeks to find my next 911 and buy my yeah, next yeah, 911 yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead, of, instead of waiting until the end of the year. Now, yeah. you know, I might need to think about, I don't know, counseling for my wife or divorce proceedings, but I, I'll deal with that in slow time. You just, yeah, you just factor that into the budget. <laughs> lawyer fees yeah that's fine it's like everything's solvable it's you know ev- everything can be fixed there's a solution don't worry about that yeah no totally well i i had an interesting week with the 964 i think in the last episode i talked about the um very well known uh issue with the 964 being the pdas and abs lights coming up yeah. in the dash so uh i took the car to my good friends at nine auto to see if we couldn't resolve that i think i'd mentioned that it might have been a an abs booster pump or any of the above um i got a call the day after i took it there saying yeah the car's fixed ready to go and i was i was expecting it would be there for at least a week and i said oh what what this actually this is embarrassing i'm not sure i want to tell this story now no i will i will i will (laughs) well i've got an embarrassing one to share with you as well so you you go first okay okay so we'll do this as just as a as a as a watch out for our listeners as a learning for any air-cooled listeners out there um they said yeah we just uh, we topped up the brake fluid and uh she's good to go (laughs) so it was uh, the brake fluid needed to be topped up Now, now, in, in my let, let me uh, let me just lay out some things that perhaps will uh, make me seem like less of a moron. Because, in my defence, uh, it was also out of gas. <laughs> That's right, um, and had four flat tyres. No, in my defence. <laughs> My uh, my my mate uh, my mate Gerard, um, who also has a has a nine six four, he had said to me, "Hey, 
I assume you've checked the the brake fluid level, and I'm like, "Shah, I'm not an idiot." <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I had, I had, uh, but apparently there's there's actually quite the procedure when it comes to checking your brake fluid level in a nine six four. It's not as simple as, you know, pop pop the hood and take a look and see if it's right. Yeah. Um, you. It has to be cold, but then you have to have uh, started the car and got the brake pump. Look, look, I don't know. It's something like this. Don't. This yeah. is not an instructional piece, obviously. Anyway, yeah. however it's supposed to be done, I had not done it. Um, so it appeared to me to be full and, in fact, appeared as though it was actually at the, the full line. Um, but once the brake booster pump comes in, I think that sort of empties it out or something, and that's the point at which you need to look at Look at the levels. It's something like that. Either way, like a lot of these old cars. Thank God you're not working on my 964. Thank God. Oh, no, I'd be great with it. <laughs> it's, I think it's one of those things though with a, with a, with a 964. It's the same with the oil level. When you look at, um, the gauge on the dash, the difference between full and empty is like, 400 mils, not even. It's, it's, wow. it's, it's, it's nothing. So I, I, I think it's a bit of, a bit of that sort of situation. So anyway, um, the car is back and I have no more warning lights on my dash. So I'm a, so I'm a very happy camper. So what was your embarrassing story? Well, I did a, uh, I did a, uh, an Apple CarPlay install this week, um, yeah. for, uh, a garage here in the Twin Cities that, that specializes in German cars. And this was a job that they asked me to do in October. And, you know, I got hold of the, the unit, et cetera, et cetera, in October. And in November, job got canceled. December, job got canceled. Be- probably because the owner of this absolutely ridiculously well-specced 991 Turbo uh, didn't want to drive it, you know, 50 miles in the snow and ice. Yeah. Uh, so... You know, after months and months, I finally get a call. I've got the time to do it. So I go down to the shop and uh, I spend, you know, three or four hours getting it installed, getting it working. It's fine. Um, the uh, the owner was there pretty much the whole time. So I had that kind of pressure oh. to get the job done <laughs> relatively quickly. But I, I intentionally said to myself as I was doing the job, just take your time, you know, just try and yeah. act like a pro and don't rush it. You don't want to nick a panel or, you know, cut a wire or just do something James like <laughs> you don't want to yeah. take a knife to the airbag. So I did a really, really great job of installing the Apple CarPlay unit. I even gave him a personal like how to of, uh, you know, using it and setting it up. And, and I was so proud of myself. I, I felt like, I felt like a true professional for the first time in my auto amateur career it's like wow i went down to this shop a turbo owner this gorgeous car i worked on it i got it installed he asked me a bunch of questions i could answer all of them i was feeling pretty good about life i was feeling really good about life um on my way home and i I didn't have any time to go back to the store because i had to head out to a, a meeting um to get my day started i got a text message from the owner of the garage saying hey the backup camera doesn't work and I'm like, oh no, you know, have I cut a wire? And like, why wouldn't it work? I tested everything. It was fine. So I'm doing voice to text on Apple CarPlay in my own car yeah. driving home. And like, I'm, I'm trying to break it down. Like, okay, 
uh, is the power on? Uh, maybe it's a wiring issue. You know, coming up with three or four different scenarios that, and they're all relatively simple fixes if the backup cam's not working. Uh, and I was like, is it a factory camera or is it aftermarket? Um, and he replies back and Siri reads to me, you know, in the Siri voice. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There is no backup camera. And at that point in time, oh. it's suddenly... <laughs> It suddenly hit me that I was supposed to have installed the backup camera <laughs> and I had totally forgotten to install a backup camera. <laughs> so there I am thinking, all right, yeah, I'm the pro. I can fix this. I can fix this. I'm sure it's not a big issue. It must have been a factory camera. And then he was like, no, dude, you just you haven't installed a backup camera. Can you come back? And I, embarrassingly, I couldn't go back. So the guy drove home in his beautiful turbo with Apple CarPlay, but without his backup camera. So now I've got to try and figure out a date and time to to go to his place to get the job done. And uh, yeah, that's embarrassing. I was so embarrassed. So embarrassed. I was doing this as a favor on behalf of my friend that owns this garage. And just, I was like, mate, I'm really sorry. I've made you look like a complete dick. And and there you were doing new logo designs for your new YouTube channel called Auto Pro. <laughs> uh. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'm gonna have to put those plans on hold. That oh, so embarrassing. Oh, damn. I mean, look. At least you can say that. You can say, listen. Uh, um, yeah, the title really says it all, mate. Like that's uh, that's about managing <laughs> your expectations. Um, I am an. Yeah, what amateur. do you expect? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I never said I was auto pro. If I had it, then you'd have a leg to stand on. Exactly. I use duct tape. I don't do any welding. You know, yeah. just, you need to. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> du- duct tape and cable ties. Right. Like it's but, very. <laughs> what else do you need? Yeah, what else do you yeah. need? I, I I did actually use a significant amount of cable ties for that job to keep everything in place. You did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, I once had uh, the shifter on my 964, uh, there's a coupling underneath it, um, which broke, and it couldn't be fixed for, a, for about a week. And my mechanic actually cable tied it. He's like, it's fine. You just, yeah, it'll just cable tie it. He said, maybe don't go slamming through the gears, but you'll be, you'll be fine. And it, and it was actually, that was something else. Just <laughs> a duck, ducking back to the 964 for a second. Um, you know, when you have something that goes wrong with your car gradually over time and you almost either a don't notice it or B you wonder if you're imagining it. Yeah. I felt like my shifter feel was maybe a little bit sloppy. I just didn't feel that great. But again, I just thought that maybe that's what it's always been like. I can't remember. And when I picked the car up, uh, my mechanic, Stuart, said to me, he said, oh, the first thing I noticed when I drove the car into the shop was the shifter felt terrible. Um, Mm. So I've got a a sleeper's short shift kit, and they have a little bit of a habit of there's a bolt that kind of connects the well, I'm not going to say what it does, but um, it has a habit of, of of coming loose, and this had actually come loose. So it's been tightened up, loctited, and all that stuff. And when I picked the car up, the difference in shifter feel, I, wow! It, it was it's night and day. It's gone from this sloppy, you know, wooden spoon in a in a saucepan of soup to just this rifle action. It's phenomenal. I was like, far oh, out. Oh, that's cool. It should have been like that the whole time. you know i i embarrassingly don't know what a good shifter in a performance car like this should feel like because driving manual cars was always the crappy ones that i had in the uk growing up you know like my ford fiesta 
and I crunched that gearbox so many times, it was always going to feel terrible, even in the first yeah. place. Um, when I moved over to slightly better cars, I had automatic and you, cars. And you, wonder, and you wonder why no one wants you to drive their cars in, in your <laughs> Yeah, you know, I didn't think about that. Two plus two equals idiot. Um, my 997 was, was manual, and that was the first time I'd, I'd ever really driven uh, a performance car, a manual performance car. And, and I, I thought, well, okay, I guess this is as good as it gets. It wasn't great. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't really great driving it back from Chicago, but I took it in and there was a problem with the clutch. And I think it was the slave cylinder problem. And there was some other issue with the clutch, but that improved, but it, it still just didn't feel like it should for a car yeah. like that. And it wasn't until yeah. I drove a manual 991 recently that yeah. I, I finally understand what a good yeah. manual transmission should feel like. And yeah. that's kind of changed yeah. my perspective a little bit. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the 996 is going to be like, having yeah. put in, you know, the new tranny, the new clutch, short shift kit, new cables. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Quite excited to see about that. Oh, that'll no, that'll be that'll be insane. That'll be insane. But and it makes a huge difference. Um, my friend's 72 Targa. I think it's 72. He'll tell me if I'm wrong. Um, the first time I drove that, it's got a dog leg first, which is always a little bit of a. Oh yeah it's tricky for me to get my head around, but um, the first time I drove it again, it was just like stirring soup. I couldn't, I was so worried about going from first to reverse that yeah. I, I kept going from first to fourth and yeah. you just couldn't find anything. And then um, he was used to it because he'd been driving it, um, but he has installed a, what's it called? A Ren Sport, Ren Shift. Renshift shift kit on it, which looks beautiful. It looks period correct. It's got a beautiful wooden knob on the shifter, but the action of that is so perfect. As you as you shift through the gears, it automatically just springs it into the center. It's oh. it's amazing. It is a beautiful, beautiful shift now. Um, yeah, it it makes a huge difference to the driving experience. Massive. Which which is an interesting segue. We um. We've talked about getting some guests on the show. Uh, hopefully, yeah. hopefully, episode three, either episode three or four, um, we're going to be bringing the one and only Darren Fister on the show. Exciting! He's a good man. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's a guy who understands how to make a shifter feel good and understands all. What I love about Darren is his whole ethos around his around his business and and the way he's built it is how do I make the the act of driving these cars just more enjoyable and better. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I love that. I love that. So yeah, can't wait to chat to Darren about that. I'm looking forward to that. I've, you know, having had uh, his mufflers in my 997 and now my 996, I've had the chance to talk to him a couple of times. I can't wait to, to talk to him more, get him on, get him on the pod. So that's yeah. coming up in a future episode. Um, any closing thoughts, Andy, for our listeners before we, uh, we say goodbye. I mean, thanks for tuning in. Of course. Yeah, always thanks for tuning in and and thanks for listening to to episode one. And as James said at the at the top of the episode, just really appreciate all the, all the good feedback you guys have have left us. It's been really encouraging, um, particularly me just stepping into the space, going from guest to co-host. Um, yeah, that felt like a big step up. Uh, so no, it's been it's been so nice just 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 hearing all the great feedback. Um, so yeah, thank you, thank you so much, and, and please keep tuning in. And if you have the chance, I know some people have already left uh, reviews um, wherever you're listening. If you can do that, that 
that is amazing and helps us obviously too. Yeah, that really helps us out. Apple Podcasts, Google, we're, we're sort of on both of those and many more. So as Andy said, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you at uh, the regular time next week. Uh, we've got not only Darren Fister, but we've got some other exciting guests in the pipeline. And uh, as always, get out and drive and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. See you guys.